Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of No Limits with Gary and Mac here on StateHornet.com. I am podcast staffer Mac Irvin III, and I'm joined once again by my good friend and co-host, Gary Singh. Gary, it's been a while. How was your break, man? What's up? What's happening? What's good with Mac Irvin Third? It was good, man. Needed a little break from school for a little bit. Time to grind out this last semester and get done with college, man. I don't know what that's like. I'm going to be back here for another semester, so. <laughs> but, you know, you know, a lot happened in the sports world while we're gone, so we're going to co- we're going to cover everything that happened in the NBA. Our Kings are doing really well. Well, they were doing well, but we'll see what kind of impact that has for the rest of the season and opening day in the MLB season. So we yes, decided sir. to bring back one of our most informed guests, Mr. Burl Dixon. Burl, how are you doing? Good, fellas. How y'all doing? Good, good, good. Nice to see you, good. man. I know you back yes, in camp. Sir. How's that going? Good, man. Back out here in Arizona. It's been a long time coming, man. I uh, haven't been out here uh, since October. And before that, it was uh, last April. Uh, COVID hit and sent us home from, from a spring training last April or actually last March. And then I didn't come back out here until October for a little camp. So I got a total of a like six weeks in playing for the organization last year, just camps and stuff. So, I mean, I'm happy to be back, to be back out here ready to play, man. Yep, yep. I already know you're ready to go. You've been putting a lot of work in the offseason, so I can't wait to see you shine, my bro. Yes, sir. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this upcoming MLB season. So there were a lot of moves in the offseason. What do you think were some of the biggest and most impactful moves that we're going to see throughout the league? Most impactful moves, man. Uh, I like uh, the trade between the Colorado Rockies and St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, St. Louis got Nolan Arenado, a star third baseman. Uh, I don't think the dollar amount on that contract was uh, released yet, but it was, a, it was a long-term deal. He's a great player. He hits, he fields with the best of them. Uh, he'll be a real in, uh, impact player for them. And then the Padres uh, extended their uh, star uh, shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. He got a, a 13-year contract for over $300 million. And uh, the Mets got a good free agent signed to another shortstop, Francisco Lindor. He got a 10-year, $341 million contract. And those guys right there, I mean, those three those three guys I just named will be, you know, stars for a long time. So those those dollar amounts and those long-term deals were well-earned by those guys. And you mentioned some of those teams, too. I know last season we all know the Dodgers won. They were pretty much the dominant team really looking at yeah. this, the baseball season. I mean, I see a little shrug right there by Mac. <laughs> uh, Burrow, who do you think? I've been hearing Dodgers again this year. In your mind, I mean, you know, I heard Yankees, you know, did some things too. Mm-hmm. Who are your contenders right now, and who are some sleepers you think right now coming into the season? Okay, okay. My my top my top two contenders come out of the same division, actually, the uh, National League West. It'll be the Dodgers and the Padres. The Padres uh, picked up Blake Snell, a great left-handed pitcher. They got you Darvish, a good right-handed pitcher. They have, they have depth on the uh, pitching side of it. They have really good hitters and fielders. So uh, the, the Padres are definitely going to give the Dodgers a run for, for their money. And they'll be playing a lot during the regular season, too, since they're in the same uh, division. Another sleeper uh, team that's really good is the uh, Minnesota Twins. They have a really good uh, batting lineup. Their lineup is stacked one through nine. Um uh, the the Chicago White Sox out there in the uh, American League Central, they're really good. They actually have a guy from the Elk Grove area, Nick Madrigal, who's their starting second baseman. 
Um, the St. Louis Cardinals would be really good. They have a, a guy from Elgrove also, Dylan Carlson, uh, a friend of mine. He's their starting right fielder. Tampa Bay Rays are kind of weird. They're not like a real stacked team, but their their analysis behind the game is is really good. So they get really good scout uh, scouting reports. They know how to pitch guys and play guys and which guys should play and shouldn't play that day based on the uh, pitcher and stuff like that. So those teams right there, if I had to pick two, man, I would say uh, – uh, American League and National League. For the American League sleeper, I would go with the Chicago White Sox. In the National League, I would go with the San Diego Padres. That sounds good. That sounds good. Maybe a quick follow-up real quick before you go to your next question, Mac. Who do you think from last year you know, who made it like a good a good impact? Maybe you see maybe tailing off, falling off a little bit. You know, man, I, I'm i not too high on the, on the Yankees. Mm. I'm not. That's you know, a shocker probably like, right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they, they kind of start off hot and then they get to the playoffs and they don't really do. I mean, they 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 get far into playoffs. and might get to the uh, the, the uh, divisional series for some reason, man. I'm not too. I know they have a, a lot of hype around them, but they always have hype around them. They kind of don't, you know, pan out. So I kind of need them to actually win something, you know, for me to be a, a believer. But uh. Yeah, if I had to pick a team like that, I would say I would say the Yankees. Surprisingly, to a lot. No noise for Aaron Judge. I mean, that's one of my favorite baseball players to watch. To yeah, you know he he he's a he he he's a good player, but but in baseball, man, it can't it can't just be one guy. You know, baseball is a sport where uh, it's based off a lot of you know failure. If you if you're a hitter and your success rate is thirty percent, you're a great hitter. So they're going to need to come around and be a well put together team and play together for a, you know put some good games together and have a really good playoff run. It's funny that you mentioned that question, Gary, because that was exactly what I was thinking. And it's also funny that Burl brought up the Yankees specifically because my dad's a big Yankee fan. But, well, I say big Yankee fan. He doesn't really follow them until they get to the playoffs. And then they always break his heart by coming up short. And, you know, they did just lose their opening day game to the Toronto Blue Jays. 3-2, 3-2, or I guess we shouldn't call them Toronto because they're not, we're not where they're playing right now. I mean, I think that is going to be a case with a lot of these teams, you know, with coming off the expanded playoffs. I think a lot of these teams might might fall back to earth yeah. with the playoff spots coming back down. Right. Yeah. So we've talked about superstar acquisitions in the offseason, but Burl, tell us, who do you think is the best player in baseball right now? Best player in baseball right now, man. Um... The obvious answer for a lot of people is, is a Mike Trout. You know, he's had in his first I think nine seasons, he's finished top five in every MVP vote. I think he has two or three MVP awards. So he's a man amongst boys and, and you know, not even to like downplay anybody else. You know, his skill level is just beyond, you know, everybody else's. But uh, there's a lot of really good players, man. Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis Jr., Francisco Lindor, Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger. I'll, I'll give you my top three. My top three right now is probably uh, Mike Trout, Francisco Lindor, and Fernando Tatis Jr. Those three guys right there Im- impact the game on both sides, offense and defense, you know, driving runs, hit home runs. You know, those, those are really three really, really good players. So I was listening to some actually some baseball this morning to get ready for this topic. And I was hearing like Mike Trout, obviously, you know, like you said, has been in the MVP conversation many times. Probably should have more MVPs. But like you said earlier, baseball is a sport where you know one player can't impact too much on a large scale. But it sounds like the, from the conversations I'm hearing, like Mike Trout 
hasn't been able to get to that, hasn't been able to perform enough, not hasn't been seen enough in the playoffs. Do you think that yeah. affects him any which way in the long term? You know, obviously, like you said, his legacy set. He's one of the best players ever. But do you see him maybe even one day, maybe, I know he stayed for, like, to get paid and stuff like that, you know, a loyalty. Yeah. Do you see him leaving trying to make some moves? Because, you know, they haven't, Angels, I don't know if they did enough to obviously to get in that upper tier to make some playoff runs, you know. L.A.'s a nice place to live, obviously. Right. The the Angels did get a good, a really good third baseman last year for agency, uh, Anthony Rendon. Yeah, you know, I don't know if they have the uh, pitching depth. I know they're, they'll, they'll score runs. They have a pretty – a pretty good lineup. They'll score some runs, but uh, they and they they gave Mike Trout like a 14-year contract, so he'll he'll be there for a while. Hopefully, I and uh, the only playoff series they were in was maybe I'm not too sure on this. Maybe 2013. I think they got swept or something like that, or lost in the uh, wild card game. So he hasn't been to to, to the playoffs much, and uh, I hope he does soon. I hope they can build around him and get some uh, some a good a, a good team around him, so we can see Mike Trout in the playoffs and in the World Series coming soon. Day one pick, who's your World Series champion? Is it the Dodgers repeating, or are you gonna go crazy with it? In baseball, man, it's 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 pretty hard to repeat in a in a baseball. Not many teams have uh, done it. Uh, let me think, man. I'm gonna say either the Padres or the White Sox. I, I think they have the Royals. Enough. I'm messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, don't sleep on the uh, Royals. I don't know if they have a, a World Series title in them this year, but they uh, they've definitely gotten a, a lot better. But uh, World Series title, man, I gotta go uh, Padres or the White Sox. They have good depth on uh, all around, good a good batting lineup, a good pitching rotation. So, uh, yeah, those two teams, I think, uh, are going to make a really good push for it. Let me get one more quick one in here before we get Burrow out of here real quick. Thank you again, Burrow. Appreciate you for your time. Yes, sir. Brother, no problem, guys. What do you think? You know, we live in we live in the, you know, SAC. You know, how do you think these uh, Bay Area teams, you know, the Giants and the A's are going to do around here? You know, we got a lot of fans like those guys. And maybe even touch on real quick. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a LeBron fan. You know, he grabbed the Red Sox real quick. Let me know. The Red Sox do anything this year? It used to be my childhood team. I don't know if they're good. Those three teams, real quick, what's your analysis on those three teams? Okay, I'll start with the uh, San Francisco Giants. That was my uh, childhood team growing up. Um, the Giants are in a really tough division. Those two teams they have up top, the Padres and the, and the Dodgers, they're really, really good teams, man. You know, I think the Giants might come across maybe uh, – win somewhere in the mid to high 70s you know I don't think they'll I don't, I don't think they're a playoff team this year just because their division is so stacked but uh they're they're not a bad team they'll definitely compete and uh the A's man the A's somehow find a way to compete every year they don't really get a lot of like big free agent guys but they uh they seem to compete and either make a wild card game or get into the playoffs somehow so I, I, I can't sleep on them, you know, so uh, I think they'll have a, a solid year. I'm not sure playoffs or not. I haven't really kept up with them that much, but uh, I think they'll be, they'll be solid. And then the Red Sox, the Red Sox are really good or kind of really bad. So, uh, but, you know, they, uh, they're they a really good franchise, a lot of history around that franchise. So uh, let me see. Let's, let me just, I'm trying to picture my head what their lineup's looking like. Uh pitching rotation yeah you know I, I think they'll they'll be solid enough to compete with the Yankees they'll, they'll definitely c- compete they're in the same division as the New York Yankees so they gotta come come hard you know but uh, I think they'll, they'll 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 be all right all right always great yeah. to hear from you Burl thanks for joining yes, us sir. and good luck on the season man thank you fellas I appreciate it 
All right, switching gears from MLB, let's transition to the National Basketball Association. The trade deadline happened over spring break, and as with most trade deadlines in sports, there's always the one or two major moves you expect to see before the deadline that just don't materialize, and it felt like that was the case this go-around. I think Kyle Lowry was the big fish that didn't get moved over the deadline, but still, there were a lot of moves. Aaron Gordon got traded to the Denver Nuggets. Victor Oladipo went to the Miami Heat. Evan Fournier went to the Celtics. Man, the Magic just made all kinds of moves on trade deadline day. But Gary, what was your favorite move during the trade deadline? In particular, my favorite move, and you just mentioned a lot of things happened. This is the most transactions, most players moved ever in NBA history on trade deadline day. Just so that quick fact, fact out there. But... To be honest with you, Mac, I mean, the most impactful, I think, is probably, like you mentioned, Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets. That's probably the most impactful trade in terms of, man, I watched them the other night. When they play Michael Porter Jr., they play Joker, and they play Aaron Gordon, that's a big team. That's something they were missing last year. That's really going to help them in terms of really playing the Lakers. And, you know, especially we all know the Lakers picked up Drummond in the buyout market. So that's going to help them defensively get better because they're one of the worst defensive teams in the paint this year they're letting people roll to the rim easily so that's one thing that you know helped joker on that back end especially last when they lost mason plumley and grant on the wing as well and he also picked up jamel mcgee you know which is also a good 20 minute player who actually has some championship pedigree so that was my biggest i think um impactful trade also i think another impactful trade that probably needs to get mentioned as well is the miami heat man the miami heat picked up some good guys in my opinion you know they got victor Oladipo. yes they also got our guy, Belencia from the Kings, which um, we already know, like, us as Kings fans know how much he's good. You know, he just wasn't a fit too much. I mean, he is a fit, really. But I feel, I feel like he's a really a good fit on a championship-ready team type of thing. Not really for us who wasn't really championship-ready because, you know, he's really good at certain things. Shooting, he's stretch four, stretch five type of guy. Can't really play too much defense. That's why, you know, he kind of got put to the bench on our team because, you know, we're struggling on defense. But on that Miami Heat team, I think Pat Riley's going to see that. Oh, and, you know, Eric Spolcher can see they can use him in a good good ways. You know, help Bam, too, so he can really have the paint open. They got a lot of three-point shooting. You know, Victor Oladipo played his debut today, um, tonight. So that was a good uh, matchup. So I think they made some noise to you know, kick it up a notch. You know, they haven't really been really in the bottom of the Eastern Conference. So I feel like those two teams really made a good push. You know, those are my two main teams. You know, other teams like the Clippers may have picked up Rondo and stuff like that. There's some other little small trades, but I think those are probably the biggest trade. Oh, I didn't even think about it. you. Probably you probably gonna handle this one, but Vucevic to the Bulls. You know, that was a shocking one. I didn't see coming. So what you got, Mac? Yeah, it was interesting. Let me touch quickly on Oladipo to the Heat. It really seems like Miami got him for nothing. <laughs> I mean, they only gave up Kelly Olenek, Avery Badley, and a 2022 draft pick swap. That's not a lot to give up for an experiment of Victor Oladipo. And if he, if he hits, if he plays well, then that moves Miami up the pecking order. That moves them to, like, top four or five teams in the East right now if they're mm -hmm. not there already. So, I mean, apparently they were hell-bent on keeping Tyler Hero and any kind of potential Kyle Lowry deal, which and is Robinson. why that deal didn't go through. I really don't understand what the Clippers did. They got, they got Rajon Rondo, right? But they gave up Lou Williams, which was their big scorer off the bench. So, you're, you're losing production for Rajon Rondo, who's averaging a just fantastic four points a game this season. But I guess they're hoping he contributes more in, like, the assists and passing game, I guess. But 
I mean, I, I guess they're maybe they're looking to move, put him in the starting lineup and move Beverly back down to the bench role. Uh, they also gave up two second round picks in 2023 and 2027, but, um, it doesn't really seem like that's not a move that would help them compete with the Lakers. I don't feel, I don't feel like Rondo's a decent piece, but he's not a piece that's going to move the needle for me. Yeah. I mean, I can answer that question for you. Uh, Mac, I really think that, you know, I think Ty Lewin this all year, you could time, if you really watch the Clippers, they haven't really been, you know, in minutes for Lou went down, usage rate for Lou went down. I feel like slowly they've been, you know, getting off Lou Williams. I think also you could see his comments himself. He was kind of shocked in a way, you know, he was like, maybe I should contemplate retiring, which I feel bad for Lou because, you know, he felt like he was going to run it back with that team. You know, he said, I thought I was running back with this team. We're going to kind of make do for a playoff push that we didn't have last year. And so, I mean, I think that was kind of a sad to see him, you know, kind of get the rug pulled out uh, out under him. But I I slightly disagree with you. I don't think Rondo obviously is a big impact as in maybe to beat the Lakers. I still got the Lakers if they're all healthy and ready to go, which we all know is a big key word right now is health for those guys. But I'm still not worried about that. I still think they're going to come with help just to say that on the record. But, um... I think Rondo is going to make some type of impact. You know, I think, like, if they go around, we go look back last year, they won't be wet in the bed like I think they would win one of those games in Denver with Rondo. You know, I think we realized with Kawhi and PG, they need someone like a table setter, man. They need someone, you know, Kawhi has learned he needed Cal Lowry, he needed a Tony Park, he needed a Mount Ginobili, somebody like that to set up everything for him, you know, because I don't know if he's the type of guy where he's um, wants to put everyone in his place type of thing. He like he likes to do his own thing. I mean, that's what his game tells to is now not a knock against him. You know, I know LeBron's a different type of player. He sets everyone up in their right place to have the four ready and set to have the best possible play, the best possible scoring play. So I think he needed help on that end. That was pretty clear. So, and, you know, Patrick Beverly is a defensive stopper really and a guy who's uh, on and off on three you know so I think he's really there to help them in two categories you know set the table on them and end the game because they're really they're the worst one of the worst fourth quarter teams sorry clutch teams in the NBA right now statistically blew out multiple games this year in the fourth quarter just the other day to Orlando as well even though they've been having good nights as well so I think that he's gonna help with that second thing I think he's gonna help with Mac I think we're missing here too is leadership they need someone to do leader we all know Rondo ain't afraid to talk about nothing and his his uh, tie with Ty Lue used to be uh, when Ty Lue was assistant coach in Boston on the 08 championship team. He was there. So I think that's probably the reason why they got him. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you mentioned Andre Drummond. He was bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers and signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. And then LaMarcus Aldridge was bought out by the Spurs. And he went and signed with the Nets. So, man, Brooklyn, they better win a championship this year. I'm telling mm, you. But, I had, but had they, them going. Remember? I had them going to the finals before. They got a lot of miss to shuffle in that center position because now you got Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge on the team. And isn't DeAndre Jordan still there too? DeAndre Jordan, and don't forget Blake Griffin signed. I just yeah, that's what I was saying. And so yeah. that, that's a lot of minutes to shuffle among three big guys. Alright, well let's move off of the trade deadline in that discussion. Let's talk about our local team, the Sacramento Kings. Let's do the Royal Check-in. Now, they made some moves in the pre-trade deadline uh, period. You know, they traded away Corey Joseph, I believe, the night before the deadline. They traded him to the Pistons for DeLon Wright and two second-round picks. Or The Kings traded two second-round picks to the Pistons along with Corey Joseph to get DeLon Wright. And then on deadline day, they got Terrence Davis from the Raptors for the second-round pick this year. So I think 
that was really about clearing a lot of cap space for the team. And, you know, and we know Monty McNair has been preaching about financial flexibility and doing stuff next year, right, for the future. This year was always going to be kind of a wash. Well, at least we thought that until the King, the Kings, they always managed to suck you back in. They went on a five-game winning streak. How dare they? <laughs> that recently came to an end against the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday. They lost 120-106. to 106. So right now, the Sacramento Kings are 22 and 26. 11th seed, I got it for you right now, brother. Right, they are in the 11th seed. So, we find ourselves... 1.5 away from 10 seed. So, the Kings find themselves in a bit of a predicament here. Do you push for a play-in spot and a potential playoff spot with a roster that you know is probably going to get swept out of the first round? Or... <laughs> and I feel like I know your response based on what you just gestured to the camera. Or do you tank and try to get a good piece in this next draft? I don't know. What do you, what do, you do here? Oh, Mac, I missed you, my man. King's check-in back. The Royal check-in is back. And let's talk about it. Okay, first of all, we were talking about before pre-trade deadline. Me and you, I don't know if we talked on the record about this on No Limits, but I know we talked about it. Should they trade Buddy Barnes or both? I'm kind of. I was saying both. That was going. I was going back and forth. I'm. I'm happy what they did. At the end of the day, I was thinking the same thing. You're going to want to find a Barnes. You're going to want to find a Buddy if we ever do get in the championship picture. They are still, they're still pretty, relatively young guys. I know the market was high to trade from, but then like this is what I like about the Kings right now. At least with Menares. Well, if we would have traded them, what? Restart again? What we keep restarting for? There's nothing to restart. At least we have a direction. They chose that we're going to try to make a playoff push. We're going to attempt to make a playoff push. And like I gestured to you when you were talking about your setting up the question, Mac, I don't care. I want to make the playoffs. I want to make the play-in. I want to do something, Mac. We need to do something. We're the longest 10-year drought not to do anything in the NBA. That's a horrible stat to hear every time I hear it. That's just sad to say. Literally... I was a baby when they made the playoffs. A baby, man. That's that, that's not even that's not even fair on my part. So I'm being selfish. All right, Tommy, you already talked about it before. I don't want to hear no tanking, nothing like that. What are we tanking for? There's no point unless we're tanking for Bronny. My brother always says tank for Bronny. Unless we're gonna do that, that little crazy dream package. Me and my brother set up where we get Bronny, we get Shaq's son, we get Dwayne Wade's son, something like that. La- last year, LeBron comes in, you know, plays with his son or something like that. Tell him we'll give you a piece of the Kings, and you know. Great marketing. LeBron James, Kings on the Kings, you know. Dream later on to talk about. We'll talk about it a little closer. That's my little dream scenario later on. But, Mac, like you said, DeLon Wright, he's good. I know Corey Joseph was a good player, but, you know, we needed more defense. We needed a bigger guy, so we got him. And, you know, Mo Harkless is going to help with a little bit of a veteran presence and stuff like that. So that's pretty good. But they basically stand pat, got better defensively. Darren Fox has been a hot streak, showing average almost 35 a game. Almost got 50 the other night. I know they lost the other night, but, hey, they made a, run, a little streak, making things interesting. We're knocking on the 10th seed. We know that's the only – that's the that's, that's the that's the bell we need to ring this year. That's the bell we need to ring. So I think we're good, Mac. Let's push for it. And I like what our Kings are doing right now. I'm pumped up for them. Let's go. We're going to go 6-1 and one last – the last seven games, I'm fine with that. Yeah, but the problem with the Kings is they'll win six, and then they'll lose nine in a row, and then they'll win three, and then lose five in a row. It's just so damn inconsistent. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's apathy is what the Kings bring you. I'm looking at their next games Don't up look here. look at the schedule, Mac. That's going to make you start counting losses. <laughs> well, I mean, we're Kings fans. What else do we have to do? We got the Lakers, 
then the Bucks, Minnesota, Detroit, Utah are our next five games. How many do you think we need to win to be in a position to challenge for this playing spot? I don't even know. To challenge, we could beat the Lakers. Lakers was hurt. Milwaukee's on a tear, but okay. Minnesota's down the drain right now. Pistons down the drain. So we can get three wins. Pelicans is as good as just Washington. We got, you know, we, we got Minnesota twice again. You know, I, I think we got to push in a smack. I think we got to push in, a, especially if all these other teams, Curry and them are, you know, he Curry's been injured. He can go down. I'm speaking really optimistically and positively right now. You know, I don't know. Let's see. Let's look at the Memphis schedule. Since we want to talk about schedule, Memphis got a horses. They got Philly. They got Miami. They got New York. They got Atlanta. They got the Pacers. They got the Bulls. Oh, the Memphis might be going down the tracks right there. I don't even need to go any further than that. And San Antonio, let's see. They also we got we played them twice. So we could they got they got Denver twice. They got Atlanta too. They got Indiana. They got Dallas. You know, Mac. I'm being. I'm thinking. I'm thinking we're gonna get there. I'm thinking we're gonna get there, Mac. We're gonna get what we said in the beginning of the year. We're gonna make the playoffs. I don't know if we're gonna actually make the playoff playoffs, the top eight, but we're gonna get into playing. We're gonna have a little shine on us for a little bit. A little shine. They're going to do just good enough to fall outside the playoffs and into that mediocre section of the lottery because that's just what the Kings do. Oh, all right, Mag. Next topic, let's go. You're, you're ever the optimist in this relationship, and I'm always the right one. <laughs> <laughs> you thought we'd be done by now. We're still knocking on the door. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, before we close out the show, let's talk a little bit about March Madness. It's been a wild week of basketball. Yeah. Ohio State's the reason I don't fill out brackets anymore. Them losing in the first round to Oral Roberts. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we got the final four on the men's and the women's side. We got on the men's side, we got Gonzaga, UCLA, Baylor, and Houston are the final four. Gary, who's going to the championship game and who's winning it all? For the men's side, I got I had this team because I'm a biased guy and I just picked a team that I feel like deserves to win it all because of the most talented team right now. Gonzaga, the Zags, you know. I actually been watching the last few years. They've been knocking on the door. A lot of good players come to that program, you know. This is the first chance they got to win. They're thirty and oh. They're doing their thing. They got some veterans. I like how the veterans in this tournament this year are showing up, showing that one and done's you guys are nice and all, but you can't build a whole team like Penny Hardaway said today. He's also a good coach in Memphis who's actually bringing that program up to another level. But like he said, you can't just win with all ones and nuns. You can sprinkle them in here and there on your team, but you need vets, and I like to see that for the college game. It's going to get that really in-depth and good basketball. So I got Gonzaga beating UCLA, stopping their Cinderella run, which I'm kind of sad about because I like seeing Cinderella's, but hey, had to stop somewhere. And, man, I think I got oh, I, I think I got Baylor, man. I think I got Baylor. I got. I ain't gonna lie. I haven't been watching too much of the tournament this year. I've been busy with all of this stuff. So, but I'm just gonna pick Baylor. Baylor versus Gonzaga, and I got Gonzaga winning it all. Yep, I'm gonna go with Gonzaga as well. I think they will put a stop to UCLA. It was very disappointing to see them make the Final Four and not USC, but them's the breaks. Uh, and then I'm gonna go with Houston to upset Baylor mm. in the other Final Four matchup. But I still think it's gonna be Gonzaga, and they're finally, finally gonna take home that trophy, that championship win. Let's go to the women's side real quick. We got Stanford, South Carolina, and then UConn and Arizona. Now, I'm going to pick Stanford to beat South Carolina, and I'm going to pick UConn to beat Arizona. And then the championship game, it's so hard to pick against Gino Ariema in that program. So I'm going to go with the UConn Huskies to be champions this year for the women. 
Man, you are so predictable, Mac. I got Stanford, you know, gotta pick a close team, you know. I know so they're they're good too, but I gotta pick Stanford. They're both one and one teams, so that should be a good matchup. Stanford's favored by six, so yeah, okay. And then I also gotta go with Yukon. You know, they got that girl Paige Buckley, freshman who won the AP player of the year dominant, got Sue Bird talking about how she needs to be could leave right now and play in the league, you know, due to the W uh, the WABA rules and the MCA W uh, W rules that they can have to play four years and stuff like that. But if she's twenty, she's one year older, so she could leave at the other rules. She can leave at twenty two. So that's something cool to see. But Kim Bang is UConn. I know people were complaining on Monday, whatever, about that foul. It was an iffy iffy call. I know it should have been called, whatever. Yeah, it was a foul, but. That call was a little too close to call. You know, I don't like to call those type of plays at the end. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being biased on who's who and where. But I don't know. I got UConn winning the whole thing. Like you said, that coach up there is going to add another championship to the books and the legacy of UConn just keeps on rolling. One of the best teams ever in sports. Let's see how wrong we are come next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of No Limits. Be sure to go check out all the other podcasts on statehornet.com, and we'll see you back here next week for the next episode of No Limits. Peace.